Here we go. This is Blue 42. We're going to go red, right, tight, close, sprint left, G, U corner, half back, flat, on two. Ready, right. Now here's your host, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Blue 42. Blue 42. Sup, Mr. Hall of Fame. What's up, dog? How you doing? How you doing? Yeah, it was nice. How was your weekend? Yeah. Pretty cool, yeah. Pretty neat. Ne- never been on a Lear jet before. That was a oh. that was a new Wait, experience. Hold on. Yeah. Yes. What? What? You flew on a Lear jet? Explain more. I, I did. It was kind enough of. <laughs> excuse me. Peyton was kind enough for a few of us to kind of set up with some of his friends in this area, and and this was a big Bronco booster. In fact, the the oh, owner yeah, of the okay. Arabian horses that the, the Broncos used to run out before kickoff and everything. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful family. Older older gent and his, and his beautiful wife. And they had some extra seats on their Learjet. So Peyton reached out to them and they said, absolutely. So flew at 41,000 feet. You realize Learjets fly at like 42,000 feet? No. Whew, I didn't either. So uh, yeah, we, we zoomed over there and, and got in and just walked on the tarmac on the way home yesterday, and unfortunately, it was right during our show, and uh, so I couldn't, or your show, I couldn't chat with you all yesterday, but that was that was the first kind of surreal moment. There were a lot of them over a course of, I think, less than, yeah, about 24 hours in and out, and uh, seeing lots of old teammates, seeing just lots and lots of Hall of Famers, and seeing fanatics, man, some of those fans that make the trip to Canton to celebrate their their heroes are some of the most fanatical people I think uh, in all of sport. I, I have I have about five Learjet questions, but I think we should get to football, and we might mix those in later. Okay, great. Speaking of jets, a man who has his own private jet. You see the logo on the side of it, Russell Wilson. He is the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks. Brock, in what ways? Can a quarterback significantly improve at age 32, 33 by the end of the year as their athleticism begins to decline? Well, you've seen it. I mean, you've seen it with the guy that I went and celebrated uh, in Peyton Manning. You see it with the guy that's 44 years old who I was able to catch up with uh, that had a lot more hair. Tom Brady's got a lot more hair now than I ever remembered him having in his 30s. Uh, you see it and saw it with Drew Brees, even as his arm diminished, finally diminished to the point where you know he really couldn't throw with much below. But those guys in their at this age, in their 30s, prior to Peyton's injury, they were in the prime, prime, prime of their career. Paul, as the game just slowed down, and I know that was one of the kind of one of the narratives and commentaries from from a lot of people watching the the mock game on Sunday was man Russ got a lot more control and mixing that tempo and and getting in and out of plays and while he's always had that now it is the the full menu of whatever he wants to do at the line of scrimmage and with 10 years of experience Paul that game kind of like an experienced umpire with a strike zone that that game should slow down, should become easier to call the balls and strikes, see what's coming at you, and then go attack it with the weaponry that they're going to give him this year. That that question of how this impacts Russ and like what he's because and he's been in the league for an awful long time. I I'm I'm really I'm really interested in seeing how he can operate in a different offense because yep. he's had a different coordinator, but he's never had a truly different offense. Correct. Correct. 
Yeah, he's had his master's, right, Pete? Yeah. Remember that was he said that yes. four or five years ago. We're going to get him his master's degree. Well, he had his master's in Pete's offense. He had his master's in Bevel and Shoddy's offense that was really under the umbrella of what Pete wanted. And now it's outside of Pete's umbrella a little bit too. And and now you're going after a PhD to keep this kind of metaphor going in a different in a different course, right? Learning new language. That, that's not what Peyton did when when he went to to denver he brought his people with him yeah. you know john fox was you asked me danny before we jumped on I, I don't know how you framed it but one of the more memorable conversations was with john fox who was real warm before even the event began and you know he was talking about that and bringing these guys here and they had to learn Peyton's system so he basically stayed in the same language for for 18 years now you saw with tom brady last year tom brady was basically in the same system under under Belichick's umbrella. Do you remember the first half of their season last year? Yep, I do. Remember what Tom Brady looked like at times? Yes. Tom Brady, who's won how many Super Bowls? Six. So, yeah, it took it took a learning curve. And, and I'll go back to Aaron Rodgers, who we had, who I had a couple times last year. And he said that. Like, yeah, you know, Lafleur comes in here, and I wanted a new system. I wanted a new language, but I still wanted my language. He wanted his language. In year one, we didn't get on the same page. Year two, they did. And he's the MVP of the league. So I've made this point to you guys a bunch. I hope Seahawks fans understand it. If Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady take some some learning curve to climb, even at the stage that they were at in their careers, there's going to be a learning curve to this PhD of a new system Russell's learning. Question two. Do they have checks snack mix that they hand out on the Learjet? Like what do they what do they bring around? No, the uh, the Gruyere puffs. No, they have Spanakopita. Some, some good like mini cinnamon rolls. Oh, mini sand- cinnamon rolls. Sandwiches. Oh, sandwiches. Mimosas. If you wanted those, <laughs> which I'm not a you big did mimosa not drink guy. a mimosa, I'm Brock. A, I'm not a mimosa guy. Not a champagne. No, you're guy. you're a Bloody Mary. You're an eye opener. No, 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 no. Not really you're, a you're a Wyman drinking whiskey out of the sock kind of guy. Not a morning drinking guy at all. But they were having a good time. <laughs> okay, actual question two. Scale of one to ten on singer, simmering contract extension tension. One is no worries. It's going to work out. They'll get through this. Ten being, oh my God, Cam missed two games in 2015 and Seattle went 0-2. Eight. I want you to tell me where your one to ten concern yeah. is with Jamal Adams. I think uh, both of them are in an eight. Eight. Whoa. Yeah. Seven. Eight. Or eight. Yes. Yeah, because both of these guys have played the Cam Chancellor card, basically. Uh huh. Both, both of them have done that in their career and, and said, like, yeah, man. You know, for Jamal, you know, he was incredibly public and uh, very, very loud, and you know, his disgust for that organization and forced his way out. For Dwayne, if I remember right, CX traded for him when he was holding out. The last time around, correct? In Houston, he he wanted a deal. He was yep. he was not going to play. He was sitting out. So both he also of them, hated the owner. Like it was also it was like he didn't. It wasn't he just the, professional. He hated, he the, hated, the, hated the, owner. the owner. Jamal hated the organization. Yeah, they wanted their money. They wanted their money. And unlike Cam, where it felt so out of character, kind of like with Russell this off season, right? There were so many times you're like, man, this this doesn't sound like Russ. This isn't Russ's brand. This seems so outside the realm of who Russ is. It was tenfold, if we remember, with Cam. Like, Cam would never do this. So it it felt that way. With these two guys, they're going to be staunch and I think pretty hard-headed that they want their money. 
that they're not going to put on the, the uniform and go play until they get the deal they want. And equally, Matt Thomas and John Snyder are going to say, this is the way we do our deals. This is this is what we got. This deal, especially for Jamal, this is where we're at. This is not going to change. For Dwayne, I think, unfortunately, he's got a, a weight on Jamal. And to me, that's where I, I'm kind of curious where the simmering tensions go. <laughs> Does Dwayne make a little noise privately? A Jamal, like, take care of your business so so the rest of us can get our business done. You know, that, that'll be kind of the next, to me, little simmering narrative behind the scenes. But, yeah, it's an eight. Quarterback knows it. He knows he needs that left tackle. The system won't function as well. He's got enough to, to handle to learn it, as we talked about in the last question. Let alone worry about a left tackle. Who, who it's going to be. So, yeah, I, I'd put it, it's not a 10. I, I, I don't know if they're going to quite go that route to miss game checks, as Cam Chancellor did. But it certainly is a certainly is an 8, certainly is a B-plus working its way towards that. Brock, I've thought the same thing that you did, that maybe Dwayne is next in line, because the Seahawks have tended to, to do that. Like, Bobby's contract got none after Russell's contract the last time they, they were both in position for extensions. The other possibility, I know that Seattle wants to extend Jamal Adams, and they feel that they've made an offer, and they've kind of gone and stretched as as, as far yes. as, as they're comfortable doing. I'm not sure we know how they're going to approach Dwayne Brown. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to ex- offer him an extension or if their offer of an extension would be anywhere in the neighborhood of what he's looking for. That's probably the one I'm more worried about. Yeah, I think that that's all very fair, and... And I just don't. I mean, what is Jamal going to do? Here, here's the deal. And yeah. and you know, I, I think it was you or I was reading um, somewhere. I think from Seven Ten Sports about just the leverage that man. How have how have the Seahawks? It feels like seemingly they've they've lost some leverage with these players. They're allowing them just to to sit in and and you know call the shots. Well, I, I don't look at it that way. Like Jamal, it's starting to tick here, and he's going to want his week one check. Yes. Right, that, that's that's a lot of money. He's not gotten his payday. No, you know it, it's he, he's not made here, and that's why Cam kind of had to put his head down and come back to work after losing two game checks. That this crew is just not they're not going to set that precedent for you, Jamal, and, and what's to come with DK and others that they continue to pay. It's why that precedent has been set. Why the structure of these deals has been the way it's been with Richard and Earl and Cam and Russ and Bobby. And why, you know, his agency and his representatives that, you know, when the Seahawks made that trade, and, and I know they were excited, they should have at that very moment gone, okay, well, here's what we're dealing with. I remember when I was drafted, my agent Marvin Demoff said, okay, here's what you're dealing with, right? Here's Ted Thompson. Here's Mike Holmgren. Here is, oh gosh, who was the, who was the Matt Thomas uh, at that time? He went on to be, go to Tennessee, Dan, uh, Danny, oh man. Uh, Rustin Webster? no. Ryan, oh, Reinfeldt. Mike Reinfeldt. There you go. <laughs> and Marvin gave me a checklist of these three guys. This is the way it's going to be. This is how they negotiate. You know, Mike's going to come in. He's got all these titles now, and he'll play both good cop and back, bad cop. And Ted Thompson's a great guy. And, but Reinfeldt, he's, he's, <laughs> he's ball buster. And, like, this is the deal. And, and it's going to be what it's going to be. And that's the way it's going to go. So Jamal should know should have known when that trade happened, this is – this is the organization you're dealing with. This is the way it's going to go. They're not going to break precedent for you, no matter if they even gave up two first and a third. Not going to happen. An eight for both, though, doesn't that doesn't that have the connotation that you feel maybe neither of them will be on the field for week one? 
Not necessarily a 10, I would feel that way. But it, but as far as things starting to, to bubble and sizzle a little bit when when Russell goes public, it's, yeah, it's, it's sizzling a little bit. First preseason games this weekend, right? You don't have many of these snaps of, of you know, full speed reps that, you know, and, and now they've said, well, Dwayne's not going to play anyway and try to soften that blow a little bit and give that one a little bit more time. But, whoo-wee, I'd, I'd sure like to see these guys play. I'd sure like to see a couple of your best. Son of a coach! Like Son to, of a coach, Brock see, here is like, I'd like, like to let them get, a, get their, like, their, like their like fannies the out on the field. like to see your best players, not only for their sake, but for the rest of the guys' sake. I'd like to see him out there uh, so you can hit the hit week one in Indy on the ground running. Get on out there. Move him out. Ah, question three. Real quick, Rock. ESPN said there's a 37% chance that three of the four NFC West teams make the playoffs, a 3% chance that all four make the playoffs. I could see four happening. I mean, who's going to be the wild card team from the east or the north or from the south? Especially with what New Orleans looks like right now, which is a mess. Yep. Four is a stretch for me. I think I think that would be difficult. I think we'd have to see a level of consistency from Arizona's personnel we've not seen in the first couple years. They brought in a lot of veterans to go for it this year for both Cliff and Kyler and the whole system and everything else. That feels like a little stretch to me. But the other three, if they stay healthy are absolutely talented enough to, uh, to to find themselves in the playoffs with 17 games. 17 is going to stretch players 25 through 53 more than ever before. You are going to feel that depth and the importance of it more than ever before with that 17th game played. So, And, and I think the Seahawks, though, untested in some areas, like everybody in some of those depth numbers, I think they feel pretty good, about 25 through 53, better than they have maybe even in the last couple years. So I, I'd see three, four for me, Paulie, would be a bit of a stretch. He is Brock here, joins us every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday for Blue 42. We'll be talking to him on Thursday about the next preseason game. Okay, Brock, what is the most delicious thing you ate on the Learjet? Oh yeah, that whatever those little mini cinnamon roll things were. They were okay. Yeah, they were. They were really, really good. Now at Peyton's party, yes, uh, yeah, he had the the Saint Elmo shrimp, um, and I didn't know that Ooh. at first bite. Yeah, it comes mm. up and get, it comes up and gets you. But yeah, I couldn't I couldn't really put that down. So and it was so man, it was so surreal. And I did think of Titus, how much he loves football and these players, and if he could just like sit over there with Marshall Peyton's little guy and just you know see everybody and. But, you know, for any football fan, for you two, you know, to see Dan Marino walk in there. And, and when you're dealing with Peyton Manning, you, you see everybody, right? The who's who of all the media want to come over and see it. There were so many gold jackets that I think every one of them, you know, that were on that stage basically wanted to come over and, and congratulate Peyton at his party. So it was pretty surreal to see all of those players, coaches, uh, past and present underneath his, uh, his canopy at his party. Pretty special deal. Well, it was a really awesome moment for you to be included into, and we appreciate you for sharing the stories. Brock, we'll talk to you on Thursday. Thanks. Sounds good, boys. See you. That is Brock Heward. Again, he will be back with us on Thursday tomorrow for Blue 42. We'll have Michael Bumpus.